Good evening, everyone. Can you hear me okay? That's good. So as Father mentioned, my name is Colleen Lindsay, and I stand before you today to share my story with the goal to enliven your personal relationship with Jesus. Typically, in my role working in central office, I speak a lot about programs, curriculum, and approaches to move a big picture forward with one mission in mind, and that is building up our church, God's church. These past couple of months, I have had the pleasure of making my way around the archdiocese, being a new person, and spending time with people like yourselves, and this brings me much joy. So thank you for having me here this evening. Please know how grateful I am, as I just mentioned, to be able to spend this evening with you, as it's encounters like these that fill my cup and remind me of who Jesus has called me to be. Colleen Lindsay, his apostle, his follower, his child of God. I am called along with all of you to speak his name to all nations and to remember him always in every aspect of our lives. When I was first hired here in the Archdiocese this past June, Archbishop Perez requested to meet with me. As I was riding up the elevator at 2.22, I had all of the answers prepared, being the typical type A personality. I wanted this first impression to be a slam dunk, so I shook his hand, I entered his office in awe, I sat down, we exchanged pleasantries, and his first question to me was, so how did you get here? And I said I took the elevator. And we both cracked up laughing, and <laughs> he said, no, Colleen, how did you end up here? as the director of the Office for Catechetical Formation. And do you know what my answer was? I said, I don't know. And after all of my preparation and reviewing, that answer was not sufficient. So I now want to pose the same question to all of you. As apostles of Christ, how did you get here? in this very space and time in your journey with Christ. Think about it just for a minute. And really each and every one of us should be in awe of who we are and who we've become in the eyes of God. He is here with us now. Some of us may be able to feel his presence, others not so much, and that's okay. But he is here the savior of the world, and let's say in our hearts, hi Jesus, welcome. Thank you for being here with us tonight. Jesus wants to hear from each and every one of us every day. He loves us so very much. As we think about our own lives and how we've journeyed with Jesus, I'm going to attempt to answer the archbishop's question. I'm not going to speak about programs or curriculum or offer solution to the church's issues. That's Father Tom's job. However, I am going to speak on Colleen Lindsay, an apostle of Jesus Christ, 
who has been on the journey of a lifetime, <laughs> and thankfully, it's just getting started. A little aside, when I put my fingers to the keyboard, I thought, what a neat idea if I shared my story from Jesus' perspective. Of course, you can be the judge of that. Here it goes. Throughout Colleen's life, she gave her fiat, her yes to me. What she did not realize was how I would work in remarkable ways to use her as a vessel for my church. I worked my way into Colleen's life as a young child, my hand never-endingly outstretched and ready. Her parents were good Catholics, so this made things so much easier for me. Colleen would regularly take my hand and walk with me as she went to Mass every Sunday, holy hours, and had the faith infused into the core of her soul from a very early age. I entrusted Colleen to her mother and father, and to them I say, well done, good and faithful servants, well done. I would smile because Colleen always had a fascination with the saints. St. Therese of Lisieux, St. Bernadette of Sugaru, and St. Teresa of Calcutta. Before Colleen could even walk, she would hold tightly onto her picture book on the life of St. Therese of Lisieux, admiring the brightly colored drawings. She loved the roses and still does to this day. Later, she, at the disappointment of her friends, would incessantly beg to watch the 1943 movie The Song of Bernadette during playdates. She loved the black and white film, most especially, and was fascinated when Our Lady appeared to St. Bernadette at the grotto. She loved watching Bernadette dig in the dirt looking for the spring. This had a great impact on Colleen, and she was and still is a curious person. As she grew even older, St. Teresa of Calcutta would hold a very important space in Colleen's heart and be a great inspiration to her, as she would be a missionary serving the poor in Quito, Ecuador. My apostle Colleen was growing up and will be inspired to use her voice to speak, to move hearts. Little did Colleen know what an impact she would have on those she spoke to on behalf of the poorest of the poor. She listened to my call and with courage made her way to the ambo. I saw her knees shaking, sweaty palms, and heard her crackly voice as she humbly approached the microphone. She had never spoken to this many people before. The IHM sisters were in the back, of course, and their baskets were overflowing after Colleen spoke. To this day, the working farms that were built over a decade ago still provide food for the children and work for the laborers. Colleen spent three summers in Ecuador. I'm proud of her efforts and her fiat, her yes. After Ecuador, I had another mission for my apostle Colleen, and this was a hard one for her. You see, I had placed in her heart a desire for further study. She enrolled in a pastoral counseling program to receive a master's degree in counseling. However, this was not where I wanted her to be, to fulfill her mission for me. Where I needed her to be was at St. Charles Borromeo Seminary. And I needed her to break up with her boyfriend at the time. This required a lot of convincing on my part. Finally, Colleen heard me and listened. She can be so stubborn.
At the time, I know Colleen did not understand my plan, but she trusted me. She went home, sat on the couch, and tearfully announced to her parents she was withdrawing from the pastoral counseling program. They agreed and were extremely supportive. Then Colleen made an appointment with her advisor in the pastoral counseling program, and she informed him that she was going to withdraw. He was one of my priests. And he told her the words that she needed to hear. He said, I know. I could tell by your writings God had other plans, bigger plans for you. Listen to him. I placed him in her life to give her comfort and peace. So Colleen moved on to St. Charles Borromeo Seminary in the lay program and earned a degree in religious studies with a concentration in moral theology while working full-time. This was a special degree for Colleen, as it brought her deeper in love with St. John Paul II as she was able to study his works. This degree was prestigious, as it was a Roman catechetical diploma granted by the Sacred Congregation for the Clergy from Vatican City. Colleen also earned a certificate in Catholic theology. All the while, I was by her side. Through this experience of learning, Colleen's love for theology was cultivated, which is what I wanted, and I laid the foundation for all that was yet to come, for all that I had in store for her. Next, after the seminary, I wanted Colleen to start teaching the faith. She just didn't know it yet. So I moved the heart of her godmother, Aunt Kathleen, to introduce her to Ann Mena, Deputy Secretary of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Colleen and Anne hit it off. You see, Anne remembered Colleen as a three-year-old little girl with big curly hair who sat in front of her in the first row at Mass every Sunday at Our Lady of Good Counsel Parish, courtesy of Colleen's father. He liked to see the thread count on the priest's chasuble right up front, first row. When Colleen met with Anne, she was all grown up, but Anne and Colleen were already connected spiritually from their parish years prior. However, there was one thing Anne remembered, Colleen's big hair. Anne quickly recommended Colleen to teach as a third grade catechist in religious education, and shortly thereafter, Colleen was encouraged to apply for the director of religious education position at Visitation BVM Parish in Montgomery County. Colleen was only 25 years old, so I really had to move Monsignor's heart to hire her. But that's where I wanted my apostle Colleen to be. She was only a visitation for a short time when I moved her heart to apply for a central office position for the Diocese of Wilmington. She was excited to just experience the interview and the process. She had never been through that before. And when she received the call from Dr. Lou D'Angelo to offer her the position as his director of the Office of Religious Education, I was well pleased. My Apostle Colleen would serve the Catholic Education Department for the Diocese of Wilmington for the next seven years, and in that time made an impact as a young adult in a central office leadership position. I then encouraged Colleen to apply for her doctorate. She was not too happy about this request, but conceded, and is enrolled in a doctoral program of educational leadership and administration at Immaculata University. Anne Mena, if you remember from earlier, announced her retirement in June of 2022. 
I again moved Colleen's heart to apply for this position. I knew she was scared to put her name in for consideration, but she did, and she did as I asked and applied. And I stand before you today as the director of the Office for Catechetical Formation for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Achieving this position has come with a lot of hard work, spiritually and professionally, and never-ending blessings and surprises. Our God is an awesome God. As you can see, my life has been a series of choices, and I have always chosen our God. This is not my work, it is his. This is not my life, it is his. I am his instrument. You see, it's all connected. From the day of my baptism until now, when I was marked with the indelible seal of the cross, I attended mass every week with my mother, father, and brother. It was my job to put money in the basket. I was taught from an early age to give to my parish and the importance of stewardship. I watched my parents from early on in their marriage budget, even when times were tough. This made an impact. I prayed the rosary every day after school at 3 p.m. I know I was kneeling with my hands folded. I don't know what my brother was doing in the background. My mother always had EWTN on. These are my memories. Praying the rosary is one of my favorite traditions that my family held because as St. Padre Pio had so eloquently put it, the rosary is the weapon for these times. Our Blessed Mother, in her never-ending graciousness, has gifted her children with an instrument to combat all of the evil forces in our lives. We said grace before meals as a family. I assumed responsibilities as a godmother to three. I was a product of both Catholic school and CCD. I volunteered at Vacation Bible School with my mother, who was also a Eucharistic minister. My father was a scoutmaster and my brother an Eagle Scout. I went to confession regularly and prayed the Miraculous Medal Novena with my family every Monday night. We went down to the shrine. We lived in the suburbs, so we traveled about an hour into Philly, a tradition I still carry on to this day. Speaking of shrines, I visited so many. Our Lady of Cheskohova, Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal, St. Padre Pio, St. John Newman, St. Rita, and the list goes on. We spent time with Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. I grew up in Bucks County, if anyone is familiar with Street Road. If we were out running errands, anywhere we were, we saw an adoration chapel, my mom would make a 180 and we'd be hitting up that chapel. We would be surely there. We had volunteer at soup kitchens and directly worked with the needy in Philadelphia. We prayed outside abortion clinics. We attended the pro-life marches. We welcomed my baby sister, Rose, who's not a baby anymore, she was born when I was a sophomore in high school. She's now a freshman at Immaculata University. She's here tonight. I volunteered as an altar server. I participated in various parish functions with my family. I continued on to Catholic universities, again, supported by my family. My Catholicity was and is part of my identity, part of the very fiber of my being, and kept my relationship with Jesus Christ strong, never doubting it or questioning it, today recognizing this as a gift, a gift from God. None of this is from me. It's all from God, passed down to me from my Catholic mother and father. It was through them that my heart was open to the voice of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Without them and the infusion of faith into the very fiber of my soul, I would not have the relationship that I do with Jesus Christ today. 
nor would be standing before you doing the work that I am doing. I would not have known him. Now, does all of this come without surrender to the will of God and sacrifice? No, it certainly does not. Think about time in your life when you have had to surrender as an apostle of Jesus. How did this make you feel? Was it easy? Was it easy? So before we begin the next section of my talk, which is about surrender, let's pray this simple mantra together. It's one of my favorites. I say it throughout the day, many, many times. Simple. Jesus, I trust in you. Let's pray it together. Jesus, I trust in you. 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 I'm going to refer back to the reading that we had earlier. St. Paul is a perfect example of surrender in his letters to Timothy. I did a little bit of research on St. Paul and Timothy. And even though this was written so long ago, I could relate to it as if it was written yesterday. So let's discuss some of the history on the letters of St. Paul to Timothy. St. Paul wrote these letters to his young protege, Timothy, with whom he mentored and raised in the faith. The letters from Paul are unique because they are written to an individual which is not the norm in the Bible, and he wrote them even better from his imprisonment. For context, Paul has been imprisoned several times in 1 Timothy because he's a Christian. Then he was set free for about three or four years, and he was imprisoned again in 2 Timothy, and he was put in the Mamertine prison, which is really just a hole in the ground. Paul knew that his death was impending this time. He was not going to be set free. 